Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions, and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. It's the Premier League preview show for week 37 of the 18-19 season. Manchester City are nearly over the line. Only Jamie Vardy can stop them now. Cardiff City are nearly under the line. Only two wins can save them now. And for almost everybody else, it's just two weeks to go before the summer holidays begin. I'm Tom Rennie and our panel today, TalkSports football editor David Walker is back with us. Also, the former West Ham, Leicester, Feyenoord and Republic of Ireland striker David Connolly. Chaps, how are you? You all right? Nearly there at the end? Ready for the beach? Um, yes, Limping along the line, a bit like uh, Tottenham. I'm like a Tottenham side. I don't think they're going to be any beaches for me this summer. You don't think you're too busy? No, I think I'm going to be Women's World Cup, under-21s, Nations League. Well, actually, the beach is in Porto. That's inland, isn't it? Yeah, but I'm sure you could hop on a bus somewhere, a couple of days in Albafira, a couple of golf days, as if you're going to be working every single day. You'd be on the course in about 10 minutes. (laughs) I probably would, anyway. I I, I don't need to be going to the golf course. You'll be fantastic. That's the last place I'll be going. When we reconvene in August, you're going to be the best golfer in the group. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Right, let's talk about the last couple of weeks of this season, shall we? The penultimate weekend this weekend, the last weekend that's going to be across... Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, before we have the big extravaganza of the Sunday, which ends the campaign Will it be an extravaganza, week? though? This week, this week, This weekend will we'll potentially set up the first last-day title race. I mean, really, since the Aguero day. I know, I know that Liverpool technically could have won it on that day in 2014 when Rodgers was in charge, but, but not really. But it was Man City, West Ham and at there was home, a huge and they goal. scored in like was three huge, minutes or something? Yeah, and there was a huge goal difference swing that needed to happen. So really, we, we could have the first grandstand finish in a number of years. And I hope we do. I really hope we do. I mean, but... Newcastle, are they going to throw a spanner yeah. in the works? I mean, we could have, by the, the point we get to Monday, that Man City win their game and they will be champions if they win because Liverpool have lost already against Newcastle. So Newcastle-Liverpool, St James's Park, Saturday, 7.45. I feel that game's been a, it's, it's slightly buried in that time slot, isn't it? Yeah. Saturday night in the middle of a bank holiday weekend and it is an absolutely pivotal game for the title race for Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, they have risen. You've got to say they've risen to the occasion previous games, yeah. um, Liverpool. So I think that as much as it will be a difficult one, I think that everyone's back fit now. I think Gomez is now back fit. You know, uh, Bobby Firmino had a little rest. He'll be back fit. Mm. I think they had the perfect little warm-up in terms of the Huddersfield game. So as much as Benitez, I think... It was tough for 15 seconds, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, 15 seconds, that was it. That was one of them occasions. I was out that night, I was in the bar watching it, and I genuinely went to the bathroom and came back, and my mate was like, oh, it's 1-0. And I was like, yeah, of course it is. I just feel terrible. He was like, no, it's it's 1-0. In the time it took me to go upstairs and come back again. Yeah. And I think... Inc- I mean... That, but that goal and the Shane Long goal both came from kickoffs where... Immediately, you just go backwards. Yeah. Think you're playing safe, and that's what they did. Huddersfield. They went backwards. Think they're playing safe, and obviously trying to play out in and around their own box. I mean, he's absolutely kamikaze play. I mean, let's look ahead at this Newcastle game because we've got to mention the Barcelona game, which comes up on the Wednesday evening when we record the program. So we don't know the result of that game as we speak, but we know it's going to be the strongest possible team Liverpool can put out. So we move on to Saturday. Are we expecting again to see Daniel Sturridge in the starting eleven? Are we going to see? 
Dayan Lovren. You mentioned Gomez is back, but if Gomez has played in midweek, they're not going to play him again in between Champions League semi-finals against Newcastle. Are we going to see Adam Lallana if he's fit enough? Zerdan Shakiri from the start. And when you throw in all these second-string players, and I'll call them second-string players, that opens up a door for Newcastle, whose home form has actually been very good. And I saw them against Brighton last Saturday. I know it's Brighton and they're not a great side, and we'll get to that. But that first half, I thought Newcastle were outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. John Joe Shelby, another former Liverpool name in the mix here, was absolutely brilliant. I don't think you can discount Newcastle's side, even Sean of Almiron and Perez, as they will be this weekend, from putting on a good show and getting at least something, a point, against this Liverpool side. Well, look, we've seen Newcastle basically park the bus, haven't we, with this back three, turns into a back five. I think against the likes of Man City, they had something like 18% possession. And they'll be happy with that. I think Benitez will say, you know what, I'm happy with that, obviously. But they're in good form. They've got goal scorers. I'm not saying, you know, that they're going to lie down and die Newcastle. They're going to make it difficult. But come on, I mean, that's why he signed the likes of Shakiri. That's why he's got the squad that he does have, you know, uh, Klopp, so that he can rotate. But to me, I don't think he can take too many chances here. I would rather, if it was me, be playing a stronger side to go and try and nick an early goal like they did at Huddersfield. Get one, get two, game is put to bed. I think the longer it goes on, if it does stay nil-nil, you know, then you start to get a little bit twitchy. And I don't think you want to give, certainly the Geordies and that home crowd, anything to hold on to. Mm. So I'll be starting strong and thinking I'll go the other way. I'll start strong. If I need to, then I can, then I can take my, my, my big boys off. Yeah, you're right. Because they are a team that can hold on if they've got something to fight for. Yeah, They're not a team that's going to chase you and get back into the game once they've been pegged, you know, once they've gotten 1-0, 2-0 down, are they? Yeah, I mean, we saw that. Where did we see where Liverpool, um, he had to make a couple of changes? Was it against, uh, where he brought on Milner and Henderson? Which game? As of late? You're pointing at me like I'm going to know. Was it West Ham? At West Ham, they got the draw at, at London Stadium. Um, Mil- Milner started that game. Because he, he was the one who was offside in the goal that shouldn't have been given. So he definitely started. But he has he has brought on extra defenders. He has brought on Dale Lover over the last five minutes. Southampton. Southampton. And they were struggling, you know, and they needed the likes of Milner. They needed Henderson to come on and just give that little bit of quality. But actually, he was nervy. He was nervy for the last 10 minutes. I don't think he'll want another repeat of that. What about the Rafa Benitez factor here? I mean, obviously, he's an ultimate professional. So I'm not saying in any way that he's going to kind of throw the game. No one's saying that. No one's suggesting it. But, in, but you uh, are going to about to no, sort but I would, suggest I, I would like to suggest <laughs> that he will feel pain to no, beat Liverpool this weekend. Mm. There'll be something deep down inside. A man so synonymous with the culture of the club. He'll want to win, and if he wins, I'm sure he'll celebrate it. But there would be something rather horrible, for me at least, I think. And a lot of Liverpool fans seeing Rafa Benitez as the man that ended it with a Newcastle win. There'll be yeah. something, you know, we're going to talk about Brendan Rodgers in a minute. But... Deep down, maybe you're right, in a moment of reflection on Saturday night. Will he uh, be able to go back to his local Wirral supermarket <laughs> where, he, where the family lives? I think, yeah, I was going to say, he's still got a presence over there, hasn't he? So look, I mean, a small, tiny, minute part of him might be thinking that, but obviously he's a professional. He will want Newcastle to win. He will want Newcastle to finish as high up the table as possible. Every penny counts at that club. Uh, he, he needs as much as he can get from in the coffers for Newcastle if he's going to get his new contract. Absolutely, and he'll want to be showing <laughs> Liverpool that he actually could be and should be their manager. I mean, you've got to remember Rafa, and I think, you know, in his mind, and he probably is correct, he should be managing a top-four club, and he's good enough to manage a top-four club, and that would include Liverpool. I don't think he'd think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not really of Liverpool standard now. He'll be thinking, if I put one over on Liverpool, that shows what a good manager I am. Yeah. And you've got to remember, he hasn't signed his contract. Uh, exactly. He hasn't got a contract. Mm. He could be in the shop window. In the shop yeah. window, absolutely. Yeah. Talk to me about Jurgen Klopp. I love the quote he gave us uh, earlier this week. It may have been after the Burnley game, it may have been before, I'm not sure, when, when City played Burnley, but he said that City's form has been an absolute madness. Uh, do you think that there's any element of him now that feels there's no way City lose a game? I just wonder what his mindset is. And also, where was he, do you think, when City were playing Burnley? Do you think he watched it? Would you have watched it? Yes, I think you would have watched it. Um, and I guess for him, the, the, the galling thing will be, obviously, they've made up 25 points. They've only lost one game. And City have, have lost four, but they're probably going to pip them to the mm. title. Uh, you know, and you think, where does that go? Now, I guess if that does happen... That is a huge progression they've made, you know, but to come up short still, you'd be thinking, where are we going to strengthen? What else can we do? Or is is it just the absolute finest of margins? It is. It is 
absolutely it's absolutely fine margins because this is completely unprecedented for two teams to have such an amazing season in any other season the Liverpool total would have won the league apart from apart from last season where Man City obviously got 100 points and it, it that will be the frustration and be the the sickening thing for Liverpool fans that even when we got 90 plus points really you know high 90 points we were still pipped by a better team. They can't have done much more. But then you will reflect on that game where they lost to City in January, where they could have gone seven, ten points clear. Yeah, was you know a big. They could have opened up a big. Well, they have gap. been ten in the season, yeah. but not at a point where City was second. Yeah. There has been a ten point gap. Uh, between they will the two. reflect. I mean, the Merseyside derby, whether it was nil nil at Goodison. Do you know? It's ridiculously. You know? I think, and it, it seems mad saying this, but if Liverpool don't win the league, they didn't win the league because they couldn't beat Leicester at home and didn't beat West Ham away in that little bit. You mentioned those other two games, and you're absolutely right, but they're tougher games. Uh, the United game and the Merseyside derby. I think you'd expect to not win those games. Mm. I was at the West Ham game, did the commentary of the other one. They played poorly in both, should have lost both, but only got a draw. And, it, and there was something about the form in that period that wasn't quite there. And it seems mad to say but, they but had a bad week. Well, that's the thing. That's, that's you're, you're talking about such a small space of time. And, and <laughs> Hello? <laughs> <laughs> the computer's talking to us here. That's Rafa Benitez. To get involved. Don't give the game yeah. away. Jürgen's trying to dial in on Skype. But uh, David, <laughs> it, like, it, it, from, for the time that you're, you're, a, you're a player, right? You know, you're looking at, in the Premier League... 80 points, 80 odd points is going to be more than enough to win the league or whatever. And that, and that allows a margin of error of losing a handful of games, drawing a handful of games. And when those setbacks, if you want to call them, that happen, you can kind of take him on the chin, go again next week. But now with this sort of pressure, it's like one draw, two draws or one defeat and, and, and that's it's gone. Yes, I mean, and you know, that's an incredible, as you say, amount of pressure to put on a club players also your recruitment now if you go back to the summer right they basically cut their goals against in half right by signing van dyke and you know allison cut it in half now if they'd had those two last season arguably they might have won the league because they scored more goals last season Mm. now they've scored less goals they're only up there because of their defense arguably you'd say well you know did maybe Klopp think that salah would get another 40 you know bobby firmino would get you know another 15 20 and, and Mane, who has done that but have the players just on the periphery have they contributed enough I don't know in those games where they nicked a draw and nicked you, you look at cities they might lose the odd game but then they don't draw them they, they outscore teams yeah. I don't know whether they've done so much right Liverpool mm. and have they just you know you, you, whether it's your Sturridge's or Origi's or whoever it may be if they needed someone else to come up with a 10 or 12 goals. If someone like Nebi Keita had had this form he's got now yes. all season, yes. that might have been a difference maker. Yes. Someone it's, like that. It is so hard though, really, to, to talk negatively yeah. and disparagingly about Liverpool when they've had such a brilliant season and they could still win the Premier League. They could win Champions League as we sit here now. Both of those competitions are still up for grabs, still in their, you know, in their grasp. Can I say something mad? People are going to get this Thursday morning and onwards, this programme, I'm happy to say right now, I think Liverpool have won at Barcelona in the first leg. I think they've won. I think they're a better side than Barcelona. I, I think, think they're they are. The only superb thing is that defensively, they, and I think they can win it. They just, and will have won it. I'm happy for this to go out. Do you want to record one now, or where you just say... There's no <laughs> way. There's no way Liverpool win at the new Camp. Barca 5-0, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Messy destruction. Yeah. We'll edit this as appropriate. Uh, listen, we've got to move on, but before we get to City, I want to ask you, David Connolly, and Dave Walker as well... Um, when we get to Monday, City up next, will it be if City win, they are champions? Will Liverpool have faltered against Newcastle away? No. No, I think they'll win the game. They'll do what they need to do. It might not. It might be tight, but I think they'll do what they need to do and they'll win the game. It's a shame it's Saturday 7.45, but it is Saturday 7.45 UK time. And maybe a shame that if you're listening outside the UK, I'll be covering it as well. I don't know. Uh, right, we'll get to Man City up next. That's Monday Night Football. Right, so Monday Night Football, Manchester City up against Leicester City. Eight o'clock UK time, this one gets underway. Leicester looking to complete the top flight double over City for the first time since 86-87. City, what a run they have been on. A madness, according to Jurgen Klopp. They've won each of their last 12 Premier League games, the fifth time in the history of this division since 92 that someone has won 12 or more. City, the only team in that five to have done it twice. Um, I never felt last week, David Connolly, that 
Burnley were going to cause any issues. I was really enjoying on Sunday morning. I, I do love a good Twitter fish, as you know. And I really enjoyed the amount of people saying, well, City without Fernandinho might struggle at Burnley, which I just found mad. You know, they were so professional. They were always going to win that game. Uh, you know, it was narrow in the end, but it wasn't a narrow game at all. This game to me... Couldn't has have been, been any narrower. Well, they won it by a few millimetres. The scoreline, yeah, very true, very, very true. But the you know the scoreline flattered Burnley, absolutely. They had, what, 20 shots and 90% of the ball, whatever. I never felt that Burnley were going to be a, a team that could challenge City. But I have always felt a bit like Leicester, especially the way they have been playing, especially with Jamie Vardy reinvigorated and his record against big sides, especially with... You know, this Brendan Rodgers effect and the improvement of performance. I always felt Leicester could do some damage. I don't think anyone could beat City. But I think if anyone can draw with City to make it sexy on the last day, it may well be this Leicester City side. Well, you know, you wouldn't put it past them. I mean, when Rodgers got the job, I guess a few people were thinking, well, you know, is that the right sort of club for him? And I guess a lot of teams are now looking, thinking, you know, Maybe we should have gone for him and look at the impact he's had. Now, maybe he was astute and he looked at all those young players that they've got. Your Barnes, your Madison, you know, Vardy, obviously he's reinvigorated. Tielemans, you know, you keep going Ndidi. You know, is there a better holding midfield player than Wilfred Ndidi for his age? Not many. I think he's very underrated, isn't he? Very it? underrated. So, And people don't realise how young he is. Yeah, he's only 22. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. So 22? Yeah. 22, yeah. I mean, he's been a terrific signing for them. And then, obviously, you've got the likes of Chilwell and, you know, you can you, Pereira, you can keep going. They've got a really good side. A really good and quite deep squad as yes. well. They've got backups in all positions. I mean, yeah. he might be past his best now, but if Chilwell's injured, Premier League winner Christian Fuchs can come in. I, uh, you know? No, even even uh, Pep will be casting admiring glances at someone like Ben Chilwell, thinking, you know, uh, he's a sort of player that would be able to play in a City side and as you say look they've got the pace of Vardy they've got the creativity of Madison so there is threats there but it's just whether they're going to have the ball enough you know now if City commit and have a really high line like Arsenal did then obviously but I don't think Pep's that stupid mm. I think Pep is going to have enough cover back just in case Vardy gets away but they can play the ball around a bit as well can't they they've tried it a bit unsuccessfully under previous managers but they look a better footballing side now Leicester I think they've got a, they've got a decent balance at the moment haven't they they can they can control possession and play out from the back and 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 wait for gaps to appear if they want to. But they can also go quick as well. They've got that you know the pace of Vardy is always going to be there, and he and he's always a good out ball for them if you need it. Mm. And City are a team that they've, they've got a brilliantly a brilliant defensive record, but but they still do occasionally give you a chance, right? And Vardy's the sort of player that if he gets one, you'd back him to to score it. Yeah, I mean two top centre forwards going toe to toe here. You know, Aguero with his five seasons in a row, 20 plus Vardy, who people had written off. A lot of people had written him off at Leicester mm. until, until, I think, well, Puel had until Rodgers took over. Mm. So reinvigorated. And yes, I think they, they've got a couple of threats that could that could really hurt Madi City. Madison but, on set pieces if they yeah, get a free kick. Absolutely. Just quickly on Leicester before we go back to this game. This season has frustrated me a bit because it feels like... The also rans looking at the, you know, the kind of West Ham's, the the, Wal the Watfords, the Wolves, Everton's, kind of those sorts of teams, seventh down to eleventh. One of them should have had a run at it. One of them should be on a par with this dreadful Arsenal side or this awful Chelsea team, and yet it's still 10, 12, 15 points. Yeah. Looking ahead to next season, of course, there's so many variables in this, so I know it's difficult to answer. But would you agree that Leicester City have the best chance of those outside that they can maybe nip into that six? Well, that, that's where they want to be aiming for, certainly. I mean, you know, last season I think it counted against Puel that they didn't get the Europa League because there's no reason why they shouldn't have got it. Uh, they should have got it, uh, for example, ahead of a Burnley. You know, they should have done. They had the squad, better squad, better team. They should have done. I think that put Puel under pressure. Certainly they'll be up there with the likes of Wolves battling for that seventh spot and when you spend 100 plus million as Wolf has done you know regardless in the championship or in the Premier League you should be seventh you should be competing for seventh now whether they can then challenge you know the likes of your Arsenal's or even your Man United's next season for, for, for that Champions League spot you wouldn't put it past Brendan Rodgers that he would fancy that with the right investment if they've got him in they're going to back him he's already said that that's his aim you know to, to try and get into the top six and win a domestic cup competition, which I think was music to the ears of, of Leicester City fans, particularly with the record of Claude Puel in mind. They were very frustrated with his record in cups. It would take, obviously, a huge improvement. And I think the recruitment it would be so important for any of those clubs. Can Wolves 
add, you think they can, but can they also hold on to Neves? Is anyone going to try? Uh, no, Jimenez isn't going to go. He's only just signed permanently. But, you know, are they going to keep all of those star performers and add? And the same goes for Leicester as well. Can they keep Chilwell? Oh, yeah. Somebody might come in for, with a, with big money, so it's 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 about hold oh, as, as ever not. at that level. It's about holding on to your, yeah. to your best place and building on that, and that sometimes isn't easy to do. Mm. Your yachters of this world, you know. Now, it, it, you want your Wolves and your Leicesters to keep hold of those players, your Chilwells. It it makes it competitive. What you don't want is obviously you know the Premier League to be not competitive. That. Obviously, all the top teams have all the the players because actually it's been pretty competitive. Well, that's traditionally season. the best way for teams to consolidate their power is to you know like look it happens all the time in Germany. It's the Bayern Munich yeah. way. Yeah. Who's the best player at Dortmund? Take yeah. him. What about yeah. the second best player? Yeah, we'll take him too. Yeah. Who's good for Frankfurt? Yeah, we'll use yeah. him. Yeah. And so manager. has that changed slightly? For example, Harry Maguire arguably could have gone to United, couldn't he? I think I think the difference is the difference is in in the Premier League is that there there's greater spread of wealth across the board so those teams in all the way down the league really but especially those teams in the top half they've got so much money from the TV deal and the overseas TV deal that there isn't a desperation to sell your players at the first sign of any big bid that comes in where they used to be well, they did sell Mares, didn't they? And actually, you think, you know what? They kept him for a long time. They though, kept didn't him for they? a they very long time. Longer and, than they would have done five or ten years ago, certainly. Yes. And if you're Mares, and if you're, I guess, you know, looking in hindsight, retrospect now, as it as it worked out, now he might he might get. Uh, uh, I, think uh, it, I think he'd probably say medal. yes. Yeah, but and, and then he'll probably leave, wouldn't he, in a year with two championship medals, maybe a Champions League next season. He's won the league. But Cup, he, he's not going to play, is he? Let's be frank. No. If he's in City's starting team, you know, and arguably, I'm not saying they replaced him with Hazal. He hasn't been a particularly good signing mm. for Leicester, but you know, I don't know. At some point, he might want to play more football I, think, I don't know I think the money may be less important now than maybe the Champions League football element and uh, I can't say too much of this but did you see Aaron Scholes uh, message to Ajax's uh, <laughs> delict this week I did essentially saying Aaron Scholes of course being the son of Paul being the son of Paul yeah. Scholes absolutely I just assumed that people would know Aaron <laughs> Scholes for some reason yeah. um, he said go to Barcelona and enjoy your career mate because we are uh, and he said that Manchester United have a team full of beep. And so uh, that was quite interesting, I thought. no, And they probably won't be in the Champions League, so so why would you go there? Uh, listen, let's go back to this game. Let's talk briefly about Man City. Uh, and about Let's talk about Raheem Sterling as well. Since we last did a programme, he has won the, the Football Writers Association Player of the Year. We thought he would. Overwhelmingly voted as the player of the year. I think 60-odd percent of the vote. Um what do you make to that, Dave? Would you, would you yeah, I, look, that? he's had a, a fantastic season. What I would say is I'd like him just to be judged on his football. And that, and I think all the rest is an irrelevance, to be honest. The and writers I, do bring everything in, don't yes, they? Yes, well, but so, so. I guess that's, you know, uh, that's just me personally. Yeah. I think whatever he does off the pitch, whether it's, uh, you know, all, all the good things. and, and Has he been the best player in the Premier League this year, do you think? You can definitely, oh, make, you he, can, he, you can he, definitely he, make a case for it. Obviously, yes. you can make a really strong case for it, several others. Virgil van Dijk being the most notable contender, one, the player's player of the year so fair enough but Raheem Sterling is I think Manchester City's main man who's come up trumps in big moments scored big goals created loads of goals played really well he's been a talisman for them which he hasn't always been during his career there's been times when people have looked at him and said is he gonna if he gets a one-on-one do you have confidence that he'll score it at the moment you definitely do he scores big goals he scored loads of goals and he's he, there's Man City are about to potentially win the Premier League and if he does he'll be probably the most important player in that team so you can definitely say he's been the best player in the league I, I would concur I'd agree with that you know and even at the weekend against Burnley put him up top you know for his pace to get in behind and his reliability's improved his decision making I mean it was always questioned about his his end product mm. it was always the problem with him but you know he's obviously coming through that and he's still very very well, young he's, he won the young player of the year oh, in the yeah. PFA player amazing you know? 24 years of age yes. nearly 50 England caps the Which, Premier League winners look, medal in footballing hundreds terms of appearances. in footballing terms he's, he's obviously not really young so yeah. to speak but he is still a young man. He is. And he, he, you've definitely seen him mature this season. When you see him speak in the interviews, he, he, he has accepted a sort of leadership role. He's not the captain of England or of Manchester City, but he, he's one of the leaders on the pitch, certainly, and more increasingly, I would imagine, so off the pitch as well. Yeah, well, look, he's, he's grown to be so important for Pep. I, I guess a few seasons ago, he was probably less 
important and mm. arguably dispensable, right? He, he, he was, was like gone. The Leroy Sane kind of position is where he was, yeah. and now he's the David Silva sort of position. Well, when they tried the to team, sign Suarez, he was the one that was going to make weight. Mares, Sanchez. Suarez. Sanchez, sorry. Sanchez. Yeah. One of them. <laughs> too can, many players. Yeah. Far too can, many. The Sanchez one. Yeah, yeah. Which is he inc- was the make weight. And it's an incredible go. sliding doors moment, actually, if you look yeah. at Sanchez and his career, what, where, where it's gone. Oh, City yeah. potentially moved to Man City. Yeah. Sad to watch him, it really is. One final question on City. Such a shame this is Monday Night Football. Really looking forward to, to City against Leicester. Um, but Why is that a shame? Well, we've got to wait so long for it. Yeah. I'd love this one to be Friday night. Let's get on with it. This is the game I want to see. This is the one we're looking forward to. Um, John Stones has talked about the senior players getting them through against Burnley. I mentioned how dominant they were, but they didn't exactly go gung-ho for the second, the third, the fourth. They may have done if this game was August, September. Do you expect... Are we expecting a, a professional score the first goal, shut up shop, hold the ball kind of performance? Is that what it's going to be? Because as John Stones has highlighted, they've got that experience. Yeah, I think that um, they certainly... I think they're, they're only going to play one way, I feel, when that's the way that they've played all season. Um, I think against a side like Leicester, I don't think one goal might might not be enough. I, I think they have a few more threats than a Burnley, for example. So I think that, yes, an early goal is going to really be really important to them, but I don't think they'll sit back. For example, if they get one, I think they'd want to go and get another one. I think the only other thing to consider with this game... I agree with you, David. They'll 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 play like they always play. They're so well drilled. They're such they're in such a rhythm now at this point that they'll just play to to win this game. But if they do go into it knowing that a win will give us the title, mm. Liverpool have lost somehow to Newcastle. It's a question of do they grasp that and think brilliant? Come on, guys, win this and it's done. Or do they get a bit nervous? Which they might do, I suppose. Big game Monday night football. Next up, we'll talk about Tottenham will go to Bournemouth early on Saturday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Bournemouth against Tottenham is Saturday, 12.30 UK time. Bournemouth winless in five Premier League home games. Three defeats in that run. What about this for Tottenham? Until the end of January, Spurs have won more away games and more away points and scored more away goals than any other Premier League side this season. Since then, uh, they're one of just two sides not to earn a single point on the road along with Huddersfield Town. Five defeats for Spurs on the road and it's worth saying they didn't play well against the mighty Hammers the weekend just gone I think they were outplayed by West Ham there's reasons for it and I want to ask you about that but also against Ajax they struggled they struggled massively and in that second half they just didn't get the ball forward a great deal apart from Deli Alley's volley around 50 minutes that's about all they threatened Ajax have, have they run out of steam at the wrong well, time we can't say have they run out of steam again 
I mean, we thought this you know, wouldn't happen, as it has done previous, almost every season that yeah. they've run out of steam. Now, you've got to say, their programme's been pretty heavy, right? I mean, they've had an awful lot of games in the programme. You know, um, look, we know about, in Holland, for example, cancelling all the fixtures for, yeah. the, for the benefit of their country, basically. Not of their league, but for their country. And we've seen that with the coefficient. Obviously, that's not going to happen over here, and it's obviously to their detriment. And you can see, he wasn't using it as an excuse, but I think he he realises that would have helped them, certainly against Ajax, because they did look fresher. The formation didn't work. It really didn't. I mean, it was like, take, you know, sort of... Was that head. all he could do, though? Was that all he had left? Was that why that formation was like that? In terms of the players that he had available? Yes. Well, I just think that it, the players he had available, also he felt that was maybe the right way to go against their side, but... Obviously, Ajax don't change for anyone. They play that formation the whole time, that 4-2-3-1. It's not a traditional Dutch way, because normally they'd only have one holding midfield player, but he's actually played with two. Um, and they're not going to change it for anyone, whereas, obviously, to, at times, Pochettino, you could see him puffing his cheeks out thinking, well, yeah, how am I going to change this? And actually, it was only the injury that you know helped them improve. And look, their form has dropped off a cliff. He does work them really hard. We know that. They've had loads of injuries. I think when Marrow scored three... Against Huddersfield, I think it was. Everyone thought, ah, you know, it'll be fine. They won't miss Harry Kane. Yeah. But you know what? It's against Huddersfield, though, isn't uh, it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I think that was a sort of a misnomer. Of course you're going to miss Harry Kane. And you you're going to miss Son as well. You're going to miss Son. Absolutely. Because, you know, with him being suspended for that match, it makes it all the more difficult. They don't really want to be starting Lorente, do they? Painful to watch. There was a bit against West Ham. Um, I think it made the highlight reel, actually, because it was the best Tottenham mustard in the second half, apart from the last minute. And there was a cross from the left-hand side towards Lorente, and the poor guy just can't jump anymore. Like, he just couldn't jump. And it kind of means that you can't just toss the ball into him like you might have done three years ago at Swansea. You can't even just hopefully punt it forward to him because he's not going to win it. But there's no one else who can play there. And also, there's no one else. That's the whole point. So the subs against um, Ajax, he brought on Davies, Foyt and Sissoko. Mm. You know, to go and try and win a game. And the greatest respect, that that's not really going to no. be enough. And that depth, no signings. Um, Lucas Merrill was their last signing in January 2018. You know, so if they do come up short, we know the reasons why. You cannot dress it up any other way. There just hasn't been enough investment. Yeah. And in some ways, I hope it not backfires on Daniel Levy, because I really like Potch and what they're building there. But obviously, you can't just keep, you can't, you know, keep up with sort of the best size in Europe in the Premier League and, and, and yeah. with injuries and everything and think that it's going to be enough it's I, not I think they've done incredibly well to do what they've done to, to, to be third to be in the semi-finals of the Champions League is a tremendous achievement and you know Poch has kept them at that level for so long as you say with relatively meagre investment compared to some of his rivals I mean look at Manchester United and the money they've spent for example and their streets ahead of them uh, and, and I think it was just it was a bit of a, a moment for me when I was watching the, the game against West Ham on Saturday lunchtime when Vincent Janssen's coming on oh. a player that had been publicly discarded by the manager previously uh, and now he just has to play him because he's got nothing else and he must think to himself at that moment really? Yeah. This come to this and he, he nearly got a goal at the end he had the chance didn't he right at the end when the header got cleared off the line by Balbuena but he, um, don't you think he must be so frustrated he must be yeah mm. because that's not enough he there's knows no that other club enough. in the world that he could go to where it would be like this yeah. where he'd need to go to a guy who's not even listed on the programme as the number nine he's not there on Spurs programme as Vincent Janssen he's so low down the pecking order they couldn't even be bothered in the programme editorial office to write his name out and put it on the programme and now he's having to come on. And the mad thing is as well, he's coming on in the Premier League games. He's not registered. He's not registered for the, in Champions, the Champions League. League. Yeah, and right. he would be coming on. Yeah. yeah. But then what do they do, right? Okay, so this game against Bournemouth on, on Saturday. Bournemouth, as we've discussed many times, a team that you, you're you never sure what you're going to get from them. Decent enough performance against Southampton last week. Probably should have won the game, really, in the last last few minutes with that chance for, for Callum Wilson for the hat-trick. Um, but that, they're still in this game against Ajax next week, Tottenham. It's only a 1-0. Uh, and... You know that's that's not the worst case scenario. They're in the game. He looked quite happy with it as well. I think, but they've not got, as we've just discussed, they've they've not got a lot of options. They can't rest half the team, can they? No, and I think he was lucky that they got away just with the one goal. You know, because they were completely dominated. Um, You know, Bournemouth on their day can be fantastic. Look against Southampton, they had to change it after twenty-three minutes, and Eddie Howe basically did a Mourinho. He took one of his players off, Mepham, after 23 minutes because mm. it wasn't working. And uh, the last time I saw that, I think, was uh, Mourinho who'd done that. 
And look, he had to, and it was a brave call. So he won't be afraid, and I don't think he'll be intimidated by this Tottenham side because he knows in the likes of Fraser and Callum Wilson, that's a front two. I think they've worked or combined more than basically any other front two in in Europe in terms of finding each other, assisting yeah. each other, and they've got real talent going forward. They really have. Be a shame to see the breakup of Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser. We know Ryan Fraser was wanted out of Bournemouth for quite some time. He was going to let his contract run down next season, but now he looks like to be worth some money. So he'll probably go somewhere in the summer. Arsenal have been talked about. Um, probably be a good move for him who knows what happens to him but it will be a shame not to see those two guys together again because it is a bit like Jimenez and Jota you know I always think of this is going to be such a sad reference I know but I always think of John Artson and Paul Kitson when they came in in 97 (laughs) saved West Ham from relegation and we thought actually these two guys understand each other's game it's the first time I'd ever really seen it happen you know I must have been 10 or something so and I think they they know where they're going to run they understand each other's games and these two as you mentioned the stats are ridiculous yeah I mean look Fraser is fantastic they were a completely different side when he came on and he'd be the sort of player you know even like a Tottenham would love him with his industry and his endeavour and he's so bright he can use both feet um, you know, had a spell in the championship and, you know, he's worked his way up and he's, he's done fantastic. Now, whether they can keep hold of him and Wilson, well, that's a different question because, you know, are they going to be able to afford to keep him? But He's only got a year yeah. left on his deal. There'll be plenty of suitors for, for Ryan Fraser. Listen, got to move on. Let's talk briefly about Arsenal. They're up against Brighton on Sunday at 4.30. Of course, Arsenal win Europa League action this week. We haven't seen that game as we record the programme, but we did see... The Leicester game last week. And I've got to ask you both, when was the last time you saw a goal scored from a keeper hoofing it directly down the middle and the next touch was a lob of the goalkeeper and it went in? At any level. I was going to say, last Sunday morning when I was playing. (laughs) I was playing at the same time as Arsenal last Sunday morning and that very thing happened. But because of a strong wind over the park. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. These guys are on 100 grand a week. I mean, that was staggering. Yeah, but of all the goalkeepers that can kick the ball like that, there aren't. Uh, many better than Schmeichel at doing that. I mean, he's got an incredible goal kick on him. I mean, for example, I was at uh, Southampton and Arthur Boric could barely reach the halfway line. You know, whereas when you're playing against Leicester and they've got Schmeichel and Vardy, one thing you don't do is defend that. Your start position is so important because mm. there was an acre of grass in behind just to drop it in. So, so why don't they think of that, right? You, you've said that now and they've got how many analysts and, and scouts and coaches and everyone there? Are they just backing themselves and saying, you know what, we don't care what they're going to do. We play with a high line and that's what we're going to go with. Yes, and if you look at, if you look at his kick, it's almost like you spoke about golf earlier. You know, I don't know the, the exact term of the shot, but it's like, a, a t- you know, off the tee, but it's driven low. Mm. You know, it's not got loft and, you know, it's high. Punching through the ball. It's punching. It's going straight yeah. through. Now, you know, you're not going to stop that. The only way to defend against Schmeichel's kicks, and his kicking is exceptional. It really is. Is to have a, a much, much deeper line because you go, you know, what, Jamie, Vardy, you can have it in front of us, but you're not going to get it in behind us. And certainly not with Schmeichel because he can pick people out. He's almost Edison-esque. Him and Edison are, I can't think of too many others. Pepe Reina used to kick mm. like that with such distance that it's a real it's a real weapon. However, if you're Socrates or you're Mustafi, uh, and Mustafi's getting a battering right now for some of his performances, and it is absolutely deserved. He's playing just dreadfully at the moment. But they surely must have known that was coming. They know what Jamie Vardy's going to do. They know all that, and yet they couldn't work it out. You know what amazes me here? is that I think of Arsenal. At the end of this season, we'll do a review show and we'll say, did Arsenal have a good season? We'll probably go, yeah, on paper, they were pretty good. I'm not sure I've seen them play well since October. I have so many issues with the way they've played and what they've done, and yet they could still finish in the top six. They win this weekend and Tottenham lose their game. They're a point behind Tottenham. They're a point of 70 points. Can anyone explain to me how this has happened? I I don't get it. I don't get what's happened. They were lucky against Watford. Yeah. Weren't they really lucky because Dini got a red card early do- early on, and but they were terrible. Can't just be luck that would get them in the Champions League, though. Come the end of the day, no, look, they, they are good at home, and they've Obviously, got good players. Real, they're, yeah, they're exceptional, especially at home. in the forward areas. Yeah, when you've got Aubameyang and Lacazette in your team, scoring the goals that they've both scored, that you know that does dig you out. Even if you have had a bad game, you've not been firing on all cylinders. And defensively, they've had issues. Injuries, haven't they? A lot of the time, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah, so had tons and they're tons. mitigating factors as to why perhaps some of their performances haven't been up to scratch, and they've had a few dodgy results lately. But but they but they they've just been sort of quietly consistent, and that home record has just kept them going. Yeah. And if the away record was even 
you know, a little bit better than what it was. Mm. You know, they would be that much better. And they, they could, you know, they were still in the Europa League. Yeah. They beat a Napoli team who were not too bad. See, yeah. that is, that's yeah. the amazing thing. And they were great against Napoli away. I watched that game with a bunch of Arsenal fans and they were all just saying, we're so good here. We're so competent and comfortable. And yet I'm not seeing... They beat Napoli in the Europa League and still may win it. Uh, and I, I, it's, it's incredible to, to, to watch it this season. Quick trivia for the team. Okay. Arsenal have lost their last three Premier League games. They've not lost four in a row since March 1995. Name that manager. Bruce um, Rioch. Rioch. No. Stuart Houston. Stuart Houston. Very, very nice. 1995, the last time it happened. Not going to happen, though, surely, against this Brighton side. This Brighton side are so poor. They are staggeringly poor. Uh, against Newcastle in the maybe to the 60th oh, they, they minute are, of the they're weekend. They're staggering over the dreadful. line as well, aren't they? Has to be said. Awful performances. Finally scored a goal. I think it was like 12 hours, 12 yeah. and a half hours without a goal. Uh, they never really looked threatening apart from that one moment against Newcastle where they finally scored. Uh, they're probably going to stay up now uh, and we'll get to Cardiff and why that is in a little bit later in the show. But it is worth saying this Brighton side are going to need so much surgery, I think, this year. Everyone they've brought in, David Connolly's mentioned it across the season, no one's worked out. And, you know, we asked last week and we got a kind of resounding no, we don't think they'll do it. But it is worth asking briefly, David Connolly, again to you this week. Chris Hewton's future, would you give him the summer, the investment, and would you give him next season, considering what we've seen this? Well, look, that's a, a really in- interesting question because I think that the the ownership have really backed him in terms of you know um, recruitment, spending. They spent a lot in the summer, nothing really in January, so they backed their summer signings and they just haven't delivered. They really haven't. I mean, he doesn't deviate from how he plays at all. Um, it likes to play sort of two holding midfield players in front of the two centre halves. That's like a box that doesn't move. Puts an awful lot of onus on those three behind the lone striker to come up with the goods. And you know, much as I like, for example, your Solly Marches of this world, you know, he scored like two goals, and he's arguably one of their better performances. It's funny you should you say know. that though, because last week I thought he got the team totally, totally wrong because he tried to be too cautious. And on the bench, he had Knockhart back from suspension. He had Solly March, who is the only person for me currently playing at Brighton with any bravery. The rest of them seem afraid to play. I was listening to the game on TalkSport on Saturday evening and I heard Stuart Pearce talking about uh, Chris Hewton and he was saying as soon as they'd scored the goal to get back in the game, you were thinking, right, the crowd's behind you. Go on and get another. Keep pushing. Take the momentum. Be confident. But it looked like Hewton himself was perhaps one of the ones sort of just saying get back keep yeah. it tight he's Settle a pragmatist down. Yeah. I mean if I compare him to say teams that are going to go up into the Premier League you know I think Sheffield United will will, will give him a, a real good run for his money because their manager for example knows the value of three points and he's willing to really go for it now that's a championship I know but even in the championship when Brighton were there he never changed from that way of, that is his way of playing he's not going to change for anyone mm. so you know unless they improve and and, and, and get some of those players out, your your Yahambaxes or your Lacardias or whoever it may be, they need a replacement for Glenn Murray. Unless they do that, they're in for a season of struggle. Yeah. You know, if they're willing to give him or if it's whoever is in charge of recruitment similar sort of funds, I, I, I don't know. I, I got a real fear for them because I think they've been one of the most disappointing sides I've seen. And you season. won't be able to rely on Glenn Murray again for that same amount of goals. He's another year older, surely. Yeah. Mm. And they they look they don't keep clean sheets, certainly away from home. A lot of it is based on their home form. And look, the fans aren't happy. So next season, if next season starts in a similar vein and they're not keeping, you know, goals out, they're not scoring goals at home, it puts you under an awful lot of pressure. For me, during the summer, they need two fullbacks, a whole new midfield, and at least two strikers. That's basically the heart of the team. Take the goalkeeper and the centre halves out, there's no one I keep, well, and look, that's a lot of work. Only their form in 2018 has kept them in the league yeah. because I think only Huddersfield have got fewer points this calendar year. So that's only, not where you want to be. The, only the points in 18, otherwise they'll be down. Uh, probably going down to Cardiff City. Up next, we'll talk about their game against Crystal Palace. Right, let's talk Cardiff City up against Crystal Palace. Saturday, 5.30 UK time. Defeat for Cardiff will see them relegated back to the Championship. They will be the only team to play in more than one Premier League season and be relegated 100% of the time. And against Fulham last week, they lost, already relegated Fulham, and they had so many chances at the end. The Morrison header, the shot that hit the bar. They pushed for it. They actually went for it. 
But it took them, David Connolly, until they went behind to start pushing for it. Again, I just ask, where was the bravery from Neil Warnock in this game? You know, we talked a lot about Sheffield United this week and when they went down, because, of course, they're coming back up. Oh, it was Carlos Tevez's fault. It was Neil Warnock's fault because in those games where they slipped from 11th down to 18th, he wasn't brave enough in those games. His teams weren't brave enough, and it feels like he hasn't learned a lesson. Yeah, I make you right on that because obviously they had a really good result against against Brighton. You think, right, okay, now this is going to galvanise them. I guess the the worst thing possible, the worst possible opponent after that was to face Liverpool. You know, now maybe the fixtures weren't kind to them. I don't know, but I've got to be honest. I've got not much sympathy for Cardiff. They didn't I, do too badly against Liverpool, though. No, they didn't. But obviously, you know, it was a tough game for them. Yeah, it was. You know, it was a tough game for them. Huddersfield at home the next game would have been lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, they did have chances, as you say. Hoylet off the bar probably should have scored Morrison as well. Um, but I don't have that much sympathy. I think their season with the Salah incident and every, how that was handled um, there's, there's you know I, I'm not going to miss them in the Premier League and um, um, I'm sure they'll, they'll they'll give it a right good crack in the Championship and do you imagine this weekend they'll probably go Crystal Palace one of the best sides on the road of any since the turn of the year only City have got more points on the road than, than Crystal Palace David Walker I'd probably back Palace this weekend if I was a gambling man I am a gambling man um, a very bad one <laughs> I don't know whether I will back them to be honest um, I mean look probably yes they'll probably win or at least draw this game, Crystal Palace. But you just never know. I, I still wouldn't completely count them out. It I wouldn't surprise me if Cardiff win this game and and take it theoretically to the last game of the season. We, we, we've we seen, and surely Warnock has got to look at that game last week, as you've just said, and say, look, lads, ten minutes, that last 10 minutes, we battered them. We had them completely under the caution. Unfortunately, their goalkeeper pulled out a few brilliant saves. We hit the bar. We couldn't get the goal. We've got nothing to lose here, guys. Let's just go at them. Well, there won't be any love loss because obviously Warnock has got the Palace connection, you know, so yeah. there's that. Yeah, but he doesn't background. need to have been at the club for everyone to hate him. No, it? that's true. That's no. true. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think um, he'll be wanting to win this one, but I don't think I don't think Palace are, uh, are going to want him to win this one. And I think they're one, something like 60% of their points away from home. They've got that pace on the on the counter. They've got goals in them. They've, they've got quality. I guess if they could sort their home form out, you know, they'd be sort of punching around sort of, mm. you know, the top 10 uh, Palace. Mm. Hey, get, get, if they got a centre forward who could score goals, a, a batch away on form maybe, or someone of that ilk, if they could he's, sign he's him He's now getting picked after Benteke, so something must have gone wrong there. Yeah, I don't know what has. He's not injured as far as I know. I've not yeah. seen the injury list that he'd be on it, but if Benteke's playing, you're out of favour. I think that's fair to say. Uh, tough one for Cardiff this weekend. We think they'll probably go, certainly I do, uh, but hopefully... For drama's sake, they'll take it to the last day. A win puts them on 34. If Brighton lose, they stay on 35. Uh, a draw wouldn't be good enough in the last game, even if Brighton lose. The goal difference is too big. Cardiff got to win both games. And if they do take it to the last day, Cardiff are at home to Manchester United? Uh, might be away. Let me double Is it Old right Trafford? No, actually, you. Is it Old Trafford. It's at Old Trafford. Yes. Right, so they're playing Manchester United on the final day. Brighton are at home to Manchester City. Yes. I mean, both, obviously, they'll probably, they'll probably both lose both. But <laughs> but it makes the title, you know, it's just that little extra percent in the title race where City, a, City will be yeah. playing a team that we're not definitely safe. From the perspective of drama, and we're all about the drama here on the Premier League preview show, I'd love that to happen. But I'm never going to back this Neil Warnock side. I thought they would win at, at Fulham. I really did. But they just didn't show any bravery. really annoyed me. Uh, and much like you, I, I'm not going to miss them, to be fair. I'm, I'm happy to have... Actually, not Sheffield United, actually. But anyway, we'll move on from that. Uh, let's talk Chelsea-Watford. Uh, Sunday, 2 o'clock UK time for Chelsea. Antonio Rudiger's going to miss the rest of his season. Got a knee problem. It's a big blow for Sarri. He's not changed much when it comes to his defence this season. Luis and Rudiger have been his boys. He doesn't rate Christensen. And I'm not even sure Gary Cahill's got a squad number. But he might well need to. Europa League as well, of course. We're recording before that game. But he might well need to bring Gary Cahill back in from the cold yeah. into the squad. They've had a pretty poor record, I think, after their Europa League games in the league. So that bodes well for Watford. Um, but Watford themselves, I think they might be a bit in the doldrums after, after that disappointing defeat to Wolves last week, which really probably means seventh place is, is, out, is out of sight now. Yeah. So it's uh, I, think, I, I think Chelsea will win this game. I do think. I don't think it will be necessarily very pretty, but I think they might win it. 
Yeah, I, d- I think Watford will be looking to bounce back. I mean, as you say, the Wolves game was the real six-pointer for that yeah. seventh spot. I think uh, Ben Foster made a terrible error, didn't he, coming out of his goal? I mean, it just wasn't yep. on. Had a couple um, of ricks in the last few weeks. Very yes. solid before that. Uh, yes, he was having a terrific season. He, he's, he's always had that in him, though, really, actually, yeah. for his whole career. Um, but he's been a fantastic goalkeeper this season. He's been one of the best goalkeepers in the league. So, you you, you know, they've, they've come at bad times, but you've kind of you've got to say fair enough that happens sometimes but before the Arsenal game I would have made him my keeper of the season before these he's definitely these up there I, thought I, he'd fantastic. I guess have they got one eye on the cup final I don't know if the players I, I reckon you, they probably you'd have, have to wouldn't you yeah, well, you, have would. To now. Well, you would so give us the insight before games have you ever do you ever play in a big cup final like yeah, that yeah we played in the league cup final against Man right, United and you play off final so, certainly as well yes, so, so like when you've got a big game coming like that what what is it in your how how does it if at all affect your performance look if they're thinking we need three points here to possibly get in the Europa League or you know we've got one hour on the cup final you know you, you I never got to play in an FA cup final but you'd be your, 100% thinking about the FA Cup final. Is it, is it, As is the greatest, it a concern one of the greatest about days. injury? Is that what you're worried about? It would be um, possibly injury, obviously. Um, it might be things like making sure you're you're fresh, you're right enough, yeah. you're, you know, um, you you just want to play your way into the side, but obviously you don't want to play your way out Well, that's the, the thing, right? Well. You want to play well enough to be picked. Yeah, but I got a feeling that the manager will know his side for the FA Cup pretty final. much yeah. Watford's first 11 pretty much picks itself yeah. Yeah. one or two maybe but so yeah. this one might be a I don't know I've got Deeney will be, be back no, that, that, that's something to note Deeney's had his three game suspension he'll be back he will be raring to go I'm sure and would you risk Troy Deeney the loose cannon that he is I think he he's w- got to play in the cup uh, final isn't he I mean what if he gets <sighs> a silly red in the next couple of games well, he's look, not going to change the way he plays he has changed his side and rested players for the cup Mm-hmm. You know, so it wouldn't surprise me if he did that again. Now he's got to be careful because he wants, you know, they got to be competitive. But I think if if you're a Grazia, he's always taking the importance of the FA Cup, you know, as priority. Certainly in the latter stages. So it wouldn't surprise me if he does that again. Yeah, you know? and Adini does have previous actually for coming back from a red card suspension and getting another red card. He did it last. Is it last season? Yeah, last season he got a, got a red against Stoke. I think it was for. Putting poking his eyes into Joe Allen, poking his fingers into Joe Allen's eyes, and then he came back and got sent off against Huddersfield. He had like a four-game suspension or something mad, and he got got sent off again. So he's he, going to be revved, isn't he? He's he, going to be suspended, ready to go. He, he's mi- fit. He missed seven games, I think, last season through suspension. Um, look, but that that doesn't necessarily have any relevance at all to what's going to happen this weekend. But he, he does he, he does just have that moment when when he got sent off against Arsenal. As a Watford fan, I, I was sort of like, oh. It's kind of typical Troy. He he goes from this um, amazing high in the semi-final and all the adulation that comes with it to, to to you know just kind of losing his cool and he, and he will he will protest and others have protested that that shouldn't have been a red card. You can have I that, would, you I can would have have that, that debate. debate uh, my, my my criticism of him in that situation was that he he gave the referee and the assistant referee the opportunity to give the red card by motioning his arm in there for no reason you know, in a nothing I, area and because he, was, he had the he, you know he has it. got that. That that temper on him sometimes to get a bit too carried away with the with the whole thing. You saw the whole Cajones thing with Arsenal, mm. and he misses the penalty in the next game, gets sent off against Arsenal. It's kind of a bit of a millstone around his neck. And but I, I think if you're Gracia, you play him. You play him against Chelsea because the last few weeks haven't really been good enough. We've definitely missed something in Troy Deeney's absence. So you play him to give yourself a chance of getting something in the game. Okay, we've got to move on from Watford. Stop wibbling on about Troy Deeney. Let's talk about the much week, eh? more important story. And that's West Ham's victory over Tottenham last week. Now, all we want as Hammers fans is to not be relegated, maybe have a cup run. Didn't manage that this year. The third thing is to beat Tottenham Hotspur. That has been done thanks to a wonderful performance. David Walker said this on the show last week. It'd be the most West Ham thing ever to be dreadful and then go to Tottenham and win. They hadn't won away in 2019. Southampton away around Christmas was the last time they won absolutely fantastic performance. So that leads us to Southampton this week uh, where David Connolly, they're going to lose 5-0, right? How do you predict a West Ham game at the end of the season? Yeah, it's, it's, it is difficult. And also, Balbuena, what a goal line clearance. I mean, as He's good as made a goal. the difference, hasn't he? he Him has. and Diop are the best yeah, pairing. They've been brilliant. And what a game two. Diop had. Yeah, fantastic. No, they were they were excellent. And you, you okay, Mikel Antonio, a terrific finish, but the ball from Arnautovic, 
was out of this world. I mean, it's dropped on an absolute sixpence. I just wonder what it could have been for this season for Arnautovic if it wasn't for the flirting with any club in China who would pay the money. Yeah. The drop of form from December through to really last weekend has been staggering. The indifference in performance. The player he could be and could have been without those attitude issues. It's so frustrating. Yeah, and I guess what are they going to do with him? You know, because they talk their link with, I don't know, Maxi Gomez from Celta Vigo. You know, if, if Celta go down, his release clause is halved or whatever. So that looks like a, a decent signing. They certainly need a centre-forward, don't they? Because they just can't rely on the little P. They can't rely on Arnie as a, as a centre-forward, as their main centre-forward. They certainly need a striker because mm. they've got plenty of talent there. And they should look, they should be pushing for that Europa League spot, not like basically clinging on to the top ten. Yeah, You we- know what I think they'll do in the summer is what they always do, and that's waste money. <laughs> <laughs> and they might get one or two signings that come off because yeah. they have done but more off more, they've got more bad than good certainly and I was I was having a conversation with a, with a fellow Watford fan the other day and he was sort of looking to next season he was going well look at these teams below us Wolves West Ham Leicester Everton they all might improve next season it'd be tough for us and I said yeah make you right on three of those but I'm I'm honestly not worried about West Ham mm. Because I just think if you look at their recruitment and they're just the whole organisation of the club, as you as you will be able to attest, yeah. Tom, it just it, it I just don't think they've got their house in order. I think this is going to be a really interesting summer for West Ham because they've had now a year of Pellegrini and Mario Husillos. Uh, he's the director of football, brought in specifically by Pellegrini. Weird, it should happen that way. He's had his time to bring in a couple of players. Anderson was certainly their push, but Wilshere was their push as well. So uh, some some wins and losses in there. But he's had a year now to assess what they need. So I think this is going to be Pellegrini's summer. They've got to sell. They obviously have to sell to raise some funds. I think a lot of players will go, and they'll spend around £80 million on players. Who's going to to be the big one they'd get the big money for? If they could get 30 to 40 for for Anatovic, that would be the key sale. I think they can get 10 for Hernandez. They've already got eight coming in for Reese Oxford. Anyone going to nibble at Declan Rice? Do you think? I think the money it would take for Declan Rice at this stage of his career would discount that. But I think if they got £60 million for him and could reinvest, I think that that would be a sensible thing to do. I love Declan Rice, but I'm not too sure he's the saviour of England's midfield like other people are no, at the moment. I don't think so. And um, I've seen him get absolutely destroyed by Loftus-Cheek. Loftus-Cheek. And we've, I've spoken about this. I couldn't believe how well Loftus-Cheek played against him. He almost, you know, just... Took him on at will, had too much power, pace, athleticism. Declan Rice, to me, can only play in a two, midfield two. He needs someone beside him, and the team needs someone beside him, yep. certainly. Um, you know, what have they got? I mean, they've got to get rid of, obviously, Wiltshire, Nasri, you know, the Carroll's going, you know, so there's a lot of wages. Some big wages going, wages going, on, going yeah. off the books. But they've given Zabaleta a new contract. Oh, I have. saw that. I was walking into the studio, and I saw Toby Gillis in here, and he said, Tom, you've got to see this. Your most favourite player, Pablo Zebaleta. I love him as a personality, but my God, every goal is his fault. I think you and I did the Everton game, didn't we? And he was out of position by 40 yards for every single goal. That's an old pals act, isn't it? Yeah, gotta yeah. be. Gotta Which, be. you know, that's where you need someone sitting above going, you know what, he has been great, but for where we want to go, you know, we, we've got to be getting we've got to be getting someone younger, more athletic, into the side. You know, look at yeah, your Leicesters with your Pereiras and people like this. That's the sort of right-back you want. Listen, we've got to move on. Let's get some predictions for some other games. Uh, it's Southampton taking on West Ham this weekend, London Stadium. Uh, Ralph Hasenhutl said uh, that they're going to start rebuilding already. He said after the draw against Bournemouth last week, we can start planning for next year. The target will be get 40 points earlier and then try and do the next thing. So it's all about next year for them. Uh, Wolves-Fulham, Saturday at 3 o'clock. Jimenez and Jota again combining last weekend going to be interesting to see you mentioned earlier on the programme David Walker about what happens with those two players I mean Jimenez has signed a new contract but you've got someone who can score with this regularity in the Premier League it'll be interesting to see if someone does have a go at him and and again like you said earlier whether teams like Wolves they've got a lot of money we understand can keep those kind of players and add I think I think they will do I think you, you, the ambition of the owners, if you speak to anyone who knows anything about the club with any with any real insight, is that the owners have got serious ambition, not just to be a seventh place team in the Europa League once every few seasons. It's they want to gate crash the top six, yeah. and that takes money, and they've got money. I mean, Wolves are playing aside Fulham, who arguably Fulham should be like Wolves. You know, they spent a similar amount of money, but just obviously, you know, got nothing from that hundred million. No. They've spent identical. Spent identical. I mean, incredible. So mm. major surgery, I think, for Fulham. I guess they'll be looking at Wolves with admiring glances, thinking that's maybe what we could be like. But yeah. I tell you what, Scott Parker's given them a real They've done good a right, game. haven't they? He's done yeah, three in a row. Um, you know, and and look, Ryan Barbell. 
Oh, well, he scored last week as well. Yeah, he'll get he'll get a contract somewhere. Clean sheets as well. Clean sheets. Three clean sheets. Three victories. Nine points. Better than their last twenty games combined, but already going down. As a Huddersfield, forget about them for this week. They've got Manchester United. Just one more week of Huddersfield, and they've got to mention them again. But Manchester United into town this week, where of course last season was their big high in the Premier League when they got that victory over United there. Um, just one quick question on Man United. We've done a lot on them last week, so I wanted to ask you about this whole Rio Ferdinand story as the potential director of football slash sporting director with Mike Feen and maybe technical director looking at Ajax and what they do and other teams bringing former players back. Just what's your view on, on maybe someone like, if not Rio Ferdinand, taking why that not? job? Yeah, why not? I mean, we could ask him. So I think he, his agency's only around the corner. Um, and his agent is someone I played with, uh, Jamie Morley. So, you know, OK, we'll put a call in. We'll pause we the can, show. We can, we can ask him. I, I got a feeling that, why not? I mean, they've tried it, and a lot of other clubs have tried this. Now, I know everyone would look to in vogue Ajax and go, well, you know what, they've got the former players there, you know, they've got yeah, your, I think your those, Overmars, your, your, your Van der Sars. I think they've taken courses, and they've actually done a lot of yeah, no, you not, know, badges, if you like, for that type of role. Yeah, I so, think if you chuck Rio Ferdinand in there, I just think you're asking for trouble, aren't you? you it's another. It'll be another sentimental move by Manchester United. Get someone who you know is going to be bulletproof in that role. Not Rio Ferdinand. Is well, he giving the job maybe because he's been on TV? Is well, it like Peter Lim and Gary Neville all over again? He's seen well, him on the box, so yeah. he's used, he's, he's, he will get him. Well, look, you've got to say your Neville's have got jobs like that, haven't they, from being on the box, and it hasn't quite worked out, so they've come back. Your Paul Scholes has done the same. Mm. You know, had a, been on the box, got a yeah. job. As well. The only thing I'd say is what's wrong with a, uh, a an Ajax-type model where you have former players as long as that's their vocation? You know, that's what they really want to do, not that... They might be on the box one week and then they've had yeah. enough of it and no, they walk right. away and then they go. You know, if it's something that they're really passionate about and really want to be in it, you likes of Overmars and Van der Sars and all this, you know, straight away they, w- they went into week, the seven-day week job, right? It's a seven-day week job. Yeah, it's completely different to you know turning up and wearing trainers and no socks on in the studio. You know, that's that's <laughs> you know like you're yeah. on a on a night out. No, you're, you're right. And I, I, look, it's not. Who's to say that it, it, it won't be? You never know. You just never know. We we never thought Solskjaer would be able to get himself to a level to be Manchester United manager. And let's not get into that, but mm. he, that's where he is now. We do not have so, the time for that. Yeah, but Rio Ferdinand, I, I would say it's another risk that can they afford to take right now? I'm not sure they can. If you went out and got someone who, with a proven track record at elite level at being a technical director then that's surely the safer option but look at United they probably will give it to Rio because it would fit in with everything else they've been doing recently I mean look at the one at um, he went at Sevilla Monkey and then he went to Roma and then he's gone back to Sevilla you had a proven record of you know your Danny Alves I think he he ended up selling someone like four or five hundred millions worth of talent now Mm. you know arguably you'd want at United someone who like that who's got a record in the market I mean Certainly, who knows they've wasted be. an awful lot of money that's exactly right who knows it'll be someone's got to come in something's got to change because the money being spent even on contracts right now they've got two players in the last few weeks we're talking about new contracts On Anthony Martial got one and you know he's now been singled out in training by Solskjaer he's not putting enough effort in and Herrera does put the effort in but he's not shiny he's not a world superstar and so he's the one that's kind of going to leave they didn't uh, press on that as much and De Gea what are they doing with him because oh. obviously you know I know he's he, well he can't he, catch anymore can he well so bring in Romero they say yeah, that's what they say Maybe and he's he out of contract in one year so he's another one I wonder if Romero does play this weekend but I mean we don't want to get into all that we've not got the time uh, one final game Everton Burnley Friday at 8 o'clock look it's a nothing game on Friday between these two teams Burnley don't care once they've got the 40 points uh, they've lost four Premier League games in the month of May 11 goals conceded they often check out this stage of the year they got the job done against Chelsea a couple of weeks ago so my question would be uh, on Everton final question of the show uh, on them we talked about Wolves we talked about Watford a bit of West Ham lots of teams that might have a nibble at that six the recent form of Everton a clean sheet in seven of the last nine big wins as well they just don't seem that far away to me with a lot of teams are a striker away there may be Raul Jimenez away from me for being as good as Arsenal and maybe a hazardless Chelsea looking at next year. Yeah, well, look, they've had terrific results. They obviously beat Arsenal, uh, beat Man United comprehensively. That was an absolute mauling. So on their day, I guess what what they want, if you're an Everton fan, is that more consistency because they've just been too inconsistent, certainly with the players they got. But yes, a little bit more investment. They've gone that model we've just been speaking about, Everton, haven't we, in terms of that 
director of football role. They've got that person in place now, Marcel Brands. I'm sure he'll have a good impact in the summer. And look, they've backed their manager. They've gone with him, young manager. They've wanted him for a long time. They've got him now, so surely they've got to back him, give him plenty of time. And yeah, they'll, they'll certainly be challenging for that top six. I think that's the key. That's the key thing with Everton. It's Marco Silva is going to have a second season in charge of a club for the first yeah. time in quite some time, which which the benefits of which would be obvious to have another pre-season, another season of development. That consistency is not just the players, it's the manager too. And it's coming good. It is coming good. Said through gritted teeth, I'm sure, from any Watford fan who may well be I on I just really show. want to finish above them now. Forget <laughs> seventh. We've just got to finish above Everton. Uh, going to be tough. Going to be tough. But Everton looking very, very good to me. Right. That's the end of this week's show. David Conley, thank you very much indeed for well, this week. You. And all your contributions this season. Oh, I've had a great time. If we're much. not sacked, we'll see you again in the brand new season. Dave, you and I got one more to do yep. next week. Looking forward to it? The, uh, final, the final one? Of course. You're not going to see me for a few months. It's all going to be over. We're going to have nothing to talk about <laughs> next week. <laughs> I'm sure we'll find something. We are back next week for the final show. We may even do a review show as well if someone gives us the money. See you again. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.